Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50 with Dallas and Michael. Third installment today in our biases series, and it's Why Do We Believe Fake News? Thanks, Michael. I just came up with that title right off the top of my head. I thought that was very, uh, very apt because that's really what we're talking about here is we tossed a few different ideas for the title of this is, you know, why we get caught up in stories or why we believe certain things. But fake news is really what we're talking about here, which is you can understand, we can understand uh, that there's a lot of information coming in. And that was the first part of the, of the puzzle here, or the first part of the series was, you know, making decisions, making those initial decisions and, you know, why we, why we make mistakes, why we make those bad decisions at the start. The second part of it was really how to fix those mistakes or how to think about the decisions that we've made in the past so that we can make the best decision moving forward. This is really more around, you know, once we're on, once we're on track and, and we, we sort of tend to have a bit of a plan, why is it that we, we believe things that don't necessarily come to be true? Or why do we get caught up in stories or these great narratives that you, that you tend to hear? And so... Um, if we go through a few of these biases, I think that'll probably make more sense as to what I'm sort of talking mm-hmm. about here. But um, the the first one that that we see is is what they call incentive bias, which is that we disregard or underestimate the effect of other people's incentives on their behaviour. And mm-hmm. so the first one, the, the great example here is that I've had I've had many clients who have said to me, uh, yeah, we. We, I was talking to this real estate agent on the weekend, and he was saying that he thinks property prices are going up. Mm. Okay, okay, that's that's great. Why do you think he might say that? Mm. And when you say it, it's kind of like I'm speaking a foreign language, and we really struggle with the idea that other people act or, or other people say things based on what their incentives are, as, as mm. we all do. We all act on our own incentives. So the real estate agent... He's going to tell you that he thinks property is going to go up because he wants you to transact on a property. He wants mm. to he wants to sell you a property. That's how he gets paid. Now, no one's immune to this. So, in the same way that you know, uh, a mortgage broker thinks that you definitely need to refinance your home and you shouldn't stay with your existing bank. You know, a, a financial planner thinks that you need a financial planner. You know, if you go to a, you go to a barber, he will actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> you go to a barber, he thinks you need a haircut. The used car salesman always thinks you need a you need a used car. Mm. And there's a whole category of things here, which is I guess the fake news or why we get caught up in these stories is that and it sounds silly when I when I say it, like intellectually we all know that people are ju- people are not always acting mm. in their own self interest, but often people want you to do things a certain way because it suits them best. So it's just important to, to take a minute. Anytime you find yourself getting caught up in this story of, you know, why wasn't be saying that? And, and the, one of the first things is just to really think about their incentives. What are their incentives here? And one of the things that I find interesting is that it's very clear cut when we're talking about professionals or someone that they get paid to do a certain thing. But this also ties into, um, you know, the, the, 
those decisions of where does this information come from. If I've got, and again, going back to a good mate of ours, and we know who we're talking about here, if he bets on a horse, he, he wants everyone around him to bet on that same horse. Mm-hmm. Now, logically, that doesn't make any sense. Him betting on the horse doesn't make the horse run any faster. Me betting on the horse doesn't make the horse run any faster and make him any more likely to win. Mm-hmm. But his incentive in that moment is that he wants to feel the best he possibly can about that decision that he's made. And mm-hmm. so he wants people around him to make the same decision because that then, to some degree, justifies what he's done or, or you know, encourages his his decision to be, makes him feel good about it. So this is really the first one is that, you know, don't get caught up in these stories is really the key of, of each of these. But when you're looking at each of these, think of the incentives, not just in terms of what are someone's financial incentives, but what's also their emotional incentive to, to wanting you to behave a certain way. Yep. Number two, hindsight bias. So... The hindsight bias is we look back and we think things are more predictable than what they were at the time. Now, the reason why this is relevant to getting caught up in today's stories is that we look back five years ago, we made a decision, we make decisions now and we seem to have a very, very, we tend to be overconfident on the decisions that we're making right now, Mm. even though if we look back throughout history, we can see that the decisions that we made might not uh, have actually been the right decision at that point in time. It's just that with the hindsight effect, they, they look like we knew that was going to happen. So mm. what we're talking about here is that people always think, and this is from our perspective, we'll often ask people, about where do you see yourself in five, ten years' time? Or people will go to make a decision saying, well, I'm going to be, you know, for example, I'm going to be doing this job for the next five years. I know that for sure, so I can take that into account. Yeah. If you then said to the same person, well, where were you working five years ago? What were you doing for work five years ago? In a lot of cases, they were doing something else completely different. And if you say to them, well, five years ago, when you, you know, did you assume that your your work would have changed or that your job would have changed? And they didn't. So mm. it tends to be that we're overconfident about our ability to predict the future. And that's because we look back at the past and, and we think we knew more about how things were going to turn out than what they did. Yeah, and I've even seen this in with with market volatility. So I'm thinking back to the global financial crisis. Um, people that were reluctant to invest more money yep. at that point in time, yep. when the markets were really really low, yeah, uh, where they had a propensity to panic, yep. because of the the markets having dropped fifty seven percent from top to bottom, yeah, um, uh, like not even one year later, they said. That was stupid that I didn't do yeah. anything back then, or yeah. that stupid that I panicked or, or yeah. wanted to panic because yeah. I should have. I should have. I can known see that. Yeah, things yeah. are fully recovered now, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and and you know I should have known that. Yeah. Like that's the way. That's the way things always happen. That's so. right. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Is is that thing of, and and what tends to happen as well is there's a selection sort of thing that happens here where we tell ourselves stories and then we we remember the stories that. You know that line up with how things have have turned out, and, and we don't remember the things that that didn't line up with that. So you know, we yeah, it, it's a really it's a really tricky one this one because by its nature, the, the stories that you've told yourself five years ago that you've forgotten, mm. you can't remember what those stories were, mm. and that's that's sort of where, um, yeah, and I, the big one with this for me is is to how to minimise the effects of this is again we can't can't get around this. You always 
you, you, you're never going to be able to remember what the things were that you were worried about five years ago or that you, the stories that you told yourself to go or the yeah. stories that someone else had told you five years ago because it's just too many of those coming in. There's too much information. Yeah. So what you've just got to bear in mind is that when I'm making decisions now, when I look back at the past, it all seems far more predictable than what it was at the time. So if I'm looking into the future, I'm assuming that it's going to be really predictable like it was in the past, and it's just not going to be the case. So mm. what you really need to do to minimise this is to, to have a real margin of safety around your decisions. And and what I mean by that is when you're making decisions, make them in a way that even if things don't quite go to plan, you're still going to be going to be okay. And that's, you know, we, we talk about this with that getting comfortable with not knowing for sure, like, I know that if someone comes to me and they're 10 years out from retirement and I say, look, let's get your superannuation spread out across you know, all these different companies in Australia and around the world and let's get your concessional contributions maxed out every year and let's do that for 10 years and you need $1.5 million in, in super at that point in time, you might not have 1.5, you might have 1.4, or you might have 1.6. There's no way to know what that mm. is but at least we then have a margin of safety. We're in the ballpark of where we need mm. to be. Whereas, as we've talked about, if, if you went and borrowed up, you know, geared up $1.5 million to, to buy $1.5 million worth of property, you know, that property may well double in value in, in 10 years' time and, and you know, you've, you've got all the money that you possibly need, but it may go sideways for 10 years. And so you... And you won't know that until it's too late. And and when you do know that, you look back five, ten years later and go, oh, I should have known that the whole way along. So mm. what we really want to do here is just minimise the, the our ability to, to rewrite history in that way. And so <coughs> a big part of this with, with working with our clients is to is to have those written down plans and goals and that kind of thing. And and the reason it's not it's not because you know, it's a concrete thing that you need to have set in stone. It's We, we talk about this with our clients around you know, when company prices drop, this is how we are going to behave. And we talk about it in advance because we know that we don't know what's going to be happening at that point in time. We know that it's completely unpredictable. But we know that we need to have a bit of an idea of how we're going to behave at that point in time. Otherwise, we're just going to react based on, on what's happening right there. And it's only going to be in hindsight that we'll know what the right decision was. So we really have to... Have have something, have a plan in place, have that written down, have it that we all agree to it, and then that then removes our ability to rewrite history and change what we what we think we want that story to be at that point in time. Having it written down is key, isn't it? So yeah. so we have a we have a copy. Yeah. Our clients have a copy. Um, we write down exactly what we're going to do the mm-hmm. next time that there's yep. there's um, significant volatility. Yep. And um, yeah yeah we pull that back out and re- review it. And we say, okay, when, yeah. when, when you are, you know, without without this news that's yeah. coming in, because yeah. it is fake news. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. because the, the media is saying the world is ending. Yeah. The next time that volatility is whatever yeah. causes that. Yeah. When that fake news comes in, um, that noise won't distract you because when when we made decisions with a logical mm. thought process, you agreed. That's how we were going to behave. The, the, the only thing to do was was you know, nothing at this point in time. Stick to the strategy, not re- not overreact. Yeah. Um, which all t- all reaction is overreaction. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. you're reacting to something that's already happened. Yeah. So yeah, it certainly makes a, a big difference. So number three on the list of 
why do we believe fake news yep. is? Is the self-serving bias. So we attribute good outcomes to skill and bad outcomes to luck. <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> this is, this so, is a... so this is, and then again, I, I, I don't want to, I feel like this is a classic example of the of horse racing and, and gambling and those sorts of decisions where, you know, if a mate of mine bets on a horse and it wins, it's because he's a genius and he's a, he studies the form guide really well and he knows all this inside knowledge and he's a real genius. Now, if that horse gets beaten, it's because, you know, he, how could he have possibly known that it wasn't it wasn't training up to scratch or the jockey stuffed it up or some other gun horse came mm. in and beat it or something like that. And so this happens all the time where, and again, if you think about what we're trying to do here, what our subconscious mind is trying to do is really protect us from ourselves. So mm. it, it's pretty painful to sit there and go, you know what, I made that decision mm. and either if a decision it was the wrong decision, it's pretty painful to sit there and go, I made the wrong decision and I should have made a different one. Mm. So that's that's something that happens. But also the other other part of it is that if something goes well, it doesn't necessarily mean that that was a fantastic decision. It just means that that, that could have just been luck. It could have mm. just played out the right way for you. And so, yeah. And the other area that I see where this self-serving bias becomes dangerous, where we see it more with that retirement planning is that Everyone's an expert at something, and so we'll have you know someone who's a fantastic civil engineer, and they've worked their way up the ranks, and and they know everything there is to know about how to build a bridge. I mean, I don't actually have any clients on how to build a bridge, which would be pretty good. But the because they know that, and all of the good outcomes in their life, you know, when you build a bridge, it's a very easy thing. Of yes, it either worked or it didn't work. And their skill directly translates into the outcome that they got when they built that concrete thing. Mm. Now, when it comes to your financial life, the really hard thing here is that sometimes sometimes you make the right decision that doesn't pay off well for you in the short term. And sometimes you make the wrong decision that does work out for you in the short term. So mm. you really got to try and um, yeah, look at Try and set a way that you remember why you're making a decision in the first place. What it is that you, what the thesis is that you're making that decision on, and you know, really think about the process of how you made previous decisions rather than the outcomes. So, what I mean by that is, we've touched on this: is if you've got half a million dollars in super, and you want that to grow as much as possible over the next ten years, and you say, "I'm going to invest that money in," you know the top companies, the best companies in Australia and around the world um, because I want that long-term growth and I know it's going to come with short-term volatility. Now, you really have to remember why you made that decision because six months later, your $500,000 balance might have dropped to 400000 Now, that doesn't mean that you made the wrong decision and that is not a time when you should panic and sell because you need to sit down and revisit that and go, I made that decision at that point in time. It was the right decision it still remains the right decision. It hasn't paid off as yet, but I know that I, I know that I've made the right decision. I'm on the right path here. I just need to stick to that. Um, yeah. The the other part of it, of what we see there, is the opposite. And we we've touched on this previously. Where in years where if we've said to someone, you need to be putting fifty thousand dollars a year into your superannuation fund, and and they don't do that for one year, but investment markets go up by twenty percent. What can happen is that their super balance still grows to where it needs to be and they go, well, everything's on track, I'm doing everything I need to. And and you, it's really our job at that point in time to go, 
no, that's that's purely based on luck. You are not doing the things that you need to do. You are not contributing to that in the way that you need to. And if you keep doing that, you'll that's going to revert to the mean and you're not going to be where you need to be. Yeah. And the fourth one. The narrative fallacy. I love this. I love this phrase. Actually, I think it's, I do too. It's a bit of a. It's a, probably a good racehorse name because all racehorses are, are a narrative fallacy. <laughs> but we think everything has to fit into a story. So, yeah. Was it you that told me that the narrative fallacy? People see themselves as the star of a movie. They do, yeah. and, and so they're... they can't understand. So, if you're having a party, yeah. And you invite your, your many people to your party. Yeah, you're the star of that movie. You're yeah. the leading. You're the you're, you're yeah. the leading actor. Yes, everyone else is supporting cast. Yeah, so you can't actually understand if if five people say that they can't come, you can't understand that. Yeah, yeah, because that's right. Because it's it's funny because um because I see that with my children. Now. That's right. Just about to say that with so, kids, you know. So Richie and Margot, uh, he's Richie's about to turn five, and Margot's three. Um, we talk about Auntie Callie. Yeah. And and Nana. Yeah. So and I say Auntie Kelly's my sister. Yeah. And Nana's my mother. And they just can't get their heads around yeah, it. Yeah, because your relationship with her with, you, with them is different to it, their relationship it's with It's all her. no, she's Auntie Kelly. She's, yeah. she's <laughs> no one else's <laughs> yeah. relationship. She doesn't exist in and relation Nana to is Nana. Yeah. And she's no one else's relation. Yes. The yeah. relationship comes through me. Yeah. She's Auntie <laughs> Kelly and she's Nana. So yeah. um I can understand this. Like but it's it's a natural thing to see yourself as the star. Yeah. Of it's a it's it's a movie, isn't it? That's yeah, what you've told me. Exactly, right. you're the yeah. star of the movie, and and that's what happened. We go through life thinking that it, it is like a like a movie or like a story that, that's being written about us. When in reality, there's a lot of randomness in the world, mm-hmm. and that's just you know. So we think everything fits into this you know long narrative that all ties in together. When sometimes things are just bad luck, and or, or sometimes things are just good luck. So you know, in the same. The other example I use here is you know, when we look at clouds, we look at a cloud and go, oh, that cloud looks like a this or that. The, the cloud doesn't, the cloud didn't try to look like a, you know, a rabbit or mm. a, a dog or anything like that. We've created that pattern in our own brain. So we think that that has to fit into a story. A cloud's just a cloud. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So, and you see this, I think, both with the good luck and with the bad luck. And it, it ties into that where, when bad things happen in people's lives, or you know, they make a decision and it doesn't work out for them, it's very easy to go. I made the decision; it worked out badly. Therefore, it must have been something that I did wrong, or it must have been a, a bad decision initially, or something like that. Rather than just going, "Hey, there's a lot of randomness in the world. Sometimes bad things just happen." Or you know, I made this decision; it has worked out for me. That doesn't necessarily mean that that was a fantastic decision. It just means that you know sometimes, sometimes things just happen. It, it mm. doesn't doesn't have to be that just because that worked for you that that is a part of some story or, or mm. that that and and the dangerous thing then becomes the story that we tell ourselves about the past then flows through to the story we tell ourselves about the future. Mm. And and I think that I talked about this before about the language that people use around money and and the narrative fallacy is is a big part of that is we hear all the time oh i'm i'm not good with money and i think that's i think it's a dangerous thing to to say because you you are then convincing yourself of this story of rather than saying okay well i have made some poor choice in the past mm-hmm. and also things sometimes i've had some bad luck but 
I have, I have, I have agency, and I can now make decisions based on the information I have at hand. And hopefully, those things will work out for me in future. It's too easy to retreat into that story of either I am bad with money, which means that whatever I do doesn't really matter anyway because I'm bad with money, or the other side of that, which is very dangerous as well, which is people that think. I am a financial genius and everything I do is just right and it doesn't I don't have to think too hard about you know what is the decision I make now because everything I touch turns to gold. So it was good. Uh, anything to add? No, I think that's that's sort of it. I, I like I say the the fake news it's it's the, the modern world we live in there's a lot of it around and so I think that each of these things is just an important one as you start to as you start to think about things and make decisions based on the future, really, um, I guess, trying to focus on being as uh, as rational as possible and be aware of when you're falling prey to each of these. It's you know, and when you have fallen prey to them in the past, it's it's really, I think, a good exercise to go back through and think about think about your history. And, and you know, obviously, this show is about money over fifty. So, if you go back through it your life and think about all the financial decisions that you made it's easy to go that was a good decision that was a bad decision this if you go back though and make those then think about those decisions and go which ones of them did i actually really good decision and and which ones did i make a bad decision not just through the lens of how did that work out and and you once you do that you kind of realize that not all not all good decisions are rewarded not all bad decisions are punished so you know from both perspectives when we're looking at that as how do i make decisions moving forward you have to bear in mind that there is all that emotional baggage around uh around our past and and around how do we view information how do we view that uh that fake news that's coming in when we're looking at making those decisions thanks for listening Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.